And we're live. Whoa, that was loud. We're live. What's up? Today, we're going to talk about running. I was sitting in bed this morning, kind of taking my time to get out of bed because I had a holiday party last night for my girlfriend and uh, moved a little slow today. I had a lot of red wine and Don Julio. So, <laughs> forgive me for moving a little slower this morning. Um, and I was sitting there and I was like, man, I still don't have anything I know what to talk about for the podcast this week. But uh, shout out to Leica for all the podcast requests that you have. See, I, I need more Leicas in my life, okay? I need you guys to send me emails of, like, topics you guys want to learn about and hear about because it makes my life easier. Um, if not, I end up freestyling. Most of the time, I would say about 80% of the time, I'm able to just kind of be like, okay, I had something happen this week or an idea pop up. Um, this week, I was shooting blanks all week. I couldn't figure out what to talk about. So, long story short, sitting in bed going through Leicas email, I was like, running. That was a good one. So, today, we're going to talk about all things running form technique volume programming uh if you're a beginner can you actually do strength training can you get strong and run at the same time i have like i jotted down a handful of notes this morning on like topics that i kind of want to get into um and i think it's a good one because i actually do get this question quite a bit from clients um maybe not a lot on the kind of the details and specifics of like technique or form but like you know, should I be doing it or how much of it should I be doing? If I'm brand new to it, like what's a good starting point to be? So I think that's kind of what I want to try to keep majority of the conversation on today. So let me open up my handy dandy notes. I'll probably have technique just knowing what I wrote down and knowing me. Yep. Nailed it. So number one, and I put this for an order that kind of came to my head, but I also try to think about this in the kind of the same perspective that I would treat any type of training modality, no matter what it be, is to kind of understand the form and technique. And I know for a lot of you, either listening to this on a podcast and just hearing it, or maybe even YouTube, which is just watching me talk to a camera, which is not that much different. It's going to be hard for me to really break down the technique. Um, so I'm going to try to make this as verbal as possible on how I'm obviously breaking this down for you guys, right? So one thing when I was younger, I used to do a lot of obviously sports and a lot of running through like cross country and track. And, you know, I was actually just telling this to Damien the other day or whoever it was, but I was like the, my best mile ever in my entire life was my senior year of high school. I ran a 503 and I could not break the five minute mile 503. And that was like 100% exertion for me. Right. And uh, now I don't know. I probably, I was running a lot in the beginning of the pandemic and now I maybe run like two to three times a month. I'm not running as much as I would like to. Um, it goes in seasons for me personally. Um, but one thing that I always laughed about, like when I was in school and sports and things like that, is we never really were taught, you know, taught like proper technique and form, right? A little bit in track, um, cross country, none at all. Sports, none at all. It was just like go faster, go harder kind of type of coaching. So when it comes to form and technique, I'm going to go over just like the really like just basic essentials when you look at running, right? And mainly, what are the things that most people do wrong, right? So the first thing to understand is when you look at your gait, right? Locomotion, right? As a, as a unilateral human being, one foot being in front of the other, we have this kind of what we call a cross sling, which basically means when I take, you know, my right foot gets behind my body, that right glute contracts and that left lat contracts, right? So the arms and the legs are moving contralateral to themselves, right? So one of the biggest mistakes that we see with people in their stride is they actually are overstriding too much, right? So they're, if you were to think about your center of mass being under your body, obviously, when you're doing something like sprinting, 
you are all you're gonna reach your foot in front of the body right and your toe is gonna pull that world closer to you right when you look at something like jogging um, you're gonna be landing more midfoot and when you look at something like walking you could even just be a borderline heel striking right so it depends on the intensity and kind of what style of running so I do want to preface that first for everybody but the biggest thing when we think about I'm gonna to try to focus today more on just like jogging pace for most people not we're not gonna talk about sprinting we're not gonna talk about walking um, you want to be trying to land underneath your body, right? So the more that I can land my feet under my hips, the more my body can absorb with my muscles and stabilize through my muscles every single cadence and every single kind of gait that I, or throughout my gait, every single step that I take, I'm sorry. So the biggest tip that I would give you just immediately starting off is understand that you need to increase your cadence for your stride length to kind of decrease a little bit. So what I mean by that is taking more steps per minute, right? Because when you increase the amount of steps that you take per minute, that's increasing frequency or cadence, whatever kind of lingo we want to use here. It's going to kind of force your stride length to come down a little bit, right? And when you look at speed, we look at cadence and we look at stride length, right? Um, and like I said, for the sprinters out there, this is kind of sometimes a little bit different of a conversation, <clears throat> but for the joggers and especially for today, kind of being more for maybe the beginners talking about getting into running, um, or even for those that have been running for a long time, I know a lot of runners have been running for their whole lives and still don't know how to do it properly. Right. And it's the same thing with lifting. It's like, you could be deadlifting your whole life. doesn't mean you know how to do a proper deadlift. Um, so by increasing cadence, you body, you just kind of naturally give your body, um, the ability to stay under the hips because you're going to be taking more steps per minute right so that's kind of number one number two a big thing that we see is going to be the arms right i always like to and i think my track coach is the one that said this is like imagine if you had like a pane of uh pane of glass like right dead center through your body when you're running with your arms you don't want to be crossing your body right so what i mean by that is i don't want my right hand to get all the way over to my left shoulder i want to think about kind of having my arms they don't have to be dead straight they can come in a little bit throughout your stride and this is very dependent on mobility as well um, but keeping your arms in line for the direction that you're going, right? You don't want to have your arms going left and right when you're trying to go forward, right? And then the third thing, which is a big one, is kind of the angle that your body's at, right? So we want to be able to stay tall, right? This is going to help with breathing volume and obviously proper breathing, period. Um, and then also when you think about being tall, there's this slight angle that your body is going to maintain. So what I want you guys to picture is if you were standing up and imagine you were just keeping your feet exactly where you were, you were going to fall forward about five degrees, and if you want to have a wall in front of you to kind of practice what I'm talking about, that slight angle, what that does is that gets you to get your feet to land under your hips a little bit more effectively, right? When you start to lean back and get too tall, and for someone that heel strikes, that's where your mechanics are going to be off, right? So here's the problem with heel striking, right? To kind of play all this stuff in the reverse. When you heel strike, you're literally sending the energy through the heel, up the knees, hips, and back, and basically you're kind of loading up the joints, right? And you're putting a lot more stress. Um, but the second thing behind that is you're also de-accelerating. You're not accelerating, right? We want to, like the, the visual I like to kind of think about when I think about running is if I took something like a circle and I rolled it down a hill, it's going to be very effective and efficient. If I took something like a square and I rolled it down a hill, it's not going to be as effective because it's like stopping, going, stopping, going. And obviously momentum will carry it. So it still could roll, but it would be a lot less effective and a lot less efficient. So the whole concept when we think about form and technique is how effective can our stride length be and our frequency be, but also more importantly, efficiency behind it, right? Because the less efficient it is, the more energy is required to do it. And the more energy required to do it, the harder it's going to be. 
Second thing, when you look at lack of efficiency, especially just kind of in technique and form in your gait overall, um, it's going to lead to injuries, right? Because you're putting a lot more energy through the joints than you are the muscles, right? You want to think about like you're just kind of catching yourself and you're floating on top of the world as you're running versus like jamming your foot and your joints into every single stride that you take. So the big thing when you think about form and technique is always try to pay attention to kind of your position of what you're doing, right? And this is going to kind of lead me into the next part when we look at like programming and volume and frequency and how should I start running if I'm trying to get in the habit of doing it. Um, my biggest piece of advice <clears throat> for anybody that's trying to get into running is do some type of interval work, right? Um, I think steady state cardio for running is actually more detrimental than it is to do something like an interval, especially in the beginning stages. But even for the most advanced runners in the world, doing intervals is going to be a, one of the great ways to build aerobic capacity and obviously to kind of really work on form and technique, because just like anything else, um, like, I'll give you an example. When I was, you know, coaching CrossFit and doing CrossFit myself, even as an athlete, like, you know, if you do something like deadlifts, which is a very technical movement, or Olympic lifting, which is a very, very technical movement, and then you put it in a conditioning format with high volume, naturally your form is going to deteriorate, right? Like, you are going to get worse because you're just fatiguing, right? So a lot of these stability muscles and the support and the position that you need to be in to be safe, um, those tend to obviously just shy away as you fatigue. It's the same thing that happens with running, right? We see a lot of people maybe that like do their first, you know, third or quarter or half of their run and actually look like they're in good technique, good form, good posture. Um, and then the next thing we know, it's like they get tired and then they start overstriding or they start getting lazy and arching their lower back and breathing's all over the place. So the intervals, I think, is one of the best introductions to running that you can give yourself because it allows you to really structure the work to rest ratio around what you need, right? Um, I personally, for those that follow me on Instagram, I talk about this when I do run because I just don't run. When I'm in seasons of not running consistently, I tend to do a lot more like what I call song shuffle runs or just interval type of runs. And what a song shuffle run would be is like, okay, I'm gonna run for one song and I'm gonna walk for one song. And then as I get better, I run for two songs and I walk for one song. Or if I'm very, very kind of deconditioned, maybe I run for one song and I walk for two songs. So picking an interval that is going to be kind of more where you're at in your current shape and conditioning is going to be obviously the most ideal thing. And then just like any other type of training protocol, progressively overloading that, right? That could be the amount of distance that you cover per song or per whatever interval time that you have set for yourself. Um, that could you be running longer at the same exact pace no matter what you're doing. Um, just like anything else, you can't hack what you don't track. So if you are someone that wants to take running a little bit more serious, it's probably nice to wear some type of tech to figure out what your pace would be or what your cadence would be or where your heart rate's at. And, you know, we'll get into that a little bit with like zone training and things like that. But I would say the, the, the easiest thing from an introduction standpoint for runners, um, and like I said earlier, I honestly would say for anybody, is obviously having some type of interval work built into your programming. Um, like Damien right now, and I'm going to talk about him a little bit more. I'll probably bring up Damien a lot today. So shout out to you, Damien, for just being a beast. But, uh, a, just a freak when you think about strength and endurance and i love this the hybrid any hybrid athlete i've always been like really attracted to i think it's just such a cool thing and a cool feat um you know he's trying to break the five minute mile and do a 500 pound split squat right which i'll talk about in the later part of today of like how yes you can do strength work and endurance work at the same time 
um, or speed work or whatever it is, like you can blend these things and be a hybrid approach. Um, he does a lot of intervals on the track, right? And the cool thing about intervals is you can really work on a pace that you want, but then you can also build in that rest over time, right? And I think the idea, the idea of like having rest built into your program is something that's very overlooked for a lot of beginner runners because they're just like, okay, well, I'm just going to go for 20 minutes as far as I can go, or I'm just going to go till I get really tired and then I'll come back. Um, and the problem is they end up wearing themselves out. They end up fatiguing and posture and technique and everything ends up collapsing with that, right? So looking at something that has intervals built into it is your number one start point. And then just build it out for whatever you want, right? Is like then the next question for you is going to be, at the end of the day, I think most of the things I'm going to talk about today too is what is your goal with this? You know, for me personally, I like... I like running because I just I like the idea of having a more blended approach to fitness period. I don't want to just be someone that only does strength training or bodybuilding or hypertrophy or whatever. Like I want to have be the ability physically to go on a run, go do some distance work or go do speed work on the track or go do strength work or be mobile. Like I like the idea of this kind of very well-balanced hybrid approach to training and I always have been. Um, and I think that's just because I've always been attracted to those type of athletes. I'm like it's just like it's cool to be able to do it all. Um, and not necessarily maybe being great at one thing. Obviously, if you want to be one of the best runners in the world, yeah, running is probably what you're going to build your life around. But for most people listening to this, you know, you're maybe a member at FL or someone that's doing some strength training a few times a week. And adding this is going to be great for weight loss. It's going to be great for building an aerobic capacity so you can actually train harder and longer. And, you know, there's a lot of benefits that running will have towards your strength. So when you when I bring up the frequency question, it's like you need to figure out what the frequency is going to be for your ideal goal um, and what you're looking for, right? So for most people, let's say being in the gym, I'll just use functional lifestyles as an example. Most people are coming here three times a week. And to be honest with you, I would say most people should be doing something another two days a week outside of here, right? Maybe even three, depending on what the goal is, but I would say two. Like if you could have like four or five days of some type of like exercise dedicated exercise three days of maybe being an hour of strength training or 45 minutes of strength training and two or three days maybe being like 20 to 40 minutes of some type of aerobic work um i think that tends to be a nice little sweet spot for frequency and uh most people that i work with personally as a personal trainer and just people that i talk to that even join us that's the first thing i tell them to do not maybe not maybe running but like go do some type of aerobic work right and for some of you like that are just so deconditioned, like understand that walking might be your starting point and then power walking and then a very, very light jog and then doing intervals, like just really figure out inside the continuum of your conditioning level, where are you currently at and how do I progress where I'm from, right? Or where I'm at to like where I want to be. When you look at most training and most newbies into any type of modality of fitness, a lot of people I think jump too fast, too intense into something maybe that they're not ready for, right? And as much as I like the idea of being intense for the first, you know, six weeks or 12 weeks of training so you can actually really build a good habit, you need to be careful if you're someone that's already doing training or if you're someone that doesn't have the mobility or technique or for someone that doesn't have the form. Like, there's so many kind of like nuances to like what I would say would be ideal for the level of intensity that you start off with. But Ideally, probably looking at two or three times a week of some type of aerobic work is a great starting point for most. And understanding that you also don't need to do a long, like, it doesn't need to be a long session. You don't need to be going on hour runs or things like that. I think for most people, like, if you're going to do one long run, like, or a long run, let it be, like, once a week, maybe. And then the other two days are maybe some more interval work at, like, some zone 3-4 work. 
um, or just kind of some just interval of work to rest ratio being even. So I run for one minute, I walk for one minute. And like I said, super, super subjective on where you're at, depending on kind of what your goal is and what your current state is. So when you look at frequency, maybe shoot around two or three times a week. And it also depends on what you're currently already doing. If you're not doing a lot, then maybe you can do more. If you're already doing a lot in the gym, then maybe you can do one or two. Um, or you can be like me in the wintertime and do two or three a month. <laughs> like you, It's very, very subjective at the end of the day. I want to give you guys as much of like the basics today that I can to kind of help you guys get started with running. Um, so yeah, that kind of covers a little bit of volume and frequency and intervals. Next little part that I have is zone. So when you look at training aerobically, there's zone one, two, three, four, and five. Zone five is 90 to 100% of your maximum heart rate, right? And for someone that has like a heart rate monitor or an Apple watch or a Fitbit or anything, obviously this will track that for you. Um, a Garmin, whatever. If you want to do the very, very, very basic way to do this is 220 minus your age. Like that would be kind of your max heart rate. And then you just do your percentages from there. Um, to be honest with you, if a lot of people have tech already, it makes life way easier. Just use it. Zone four would be 80 to 90. Zone three would be 70 to 80. Um, zone two would be 60 to 70. And zone one would be 50 to 60. Most aerobic training should be spent in zone two. All right. And the reason why is when you look at the energy systems inside the body, there's kind of things that are more glycolytic, like that require a lot of carbs and they're just very anaerobic. Those are the zone fours and fives, right? Um, that is something you should not be doing a lot of, right? And this is where I think a lot of people, just to kind of not talk about running, for example, but people that go into like Soul Cycle or go to Barry's Boot Camp or Orange Theory and they think that intensity rules all and I'm just going to get my heart rate as high as I can go and just keep it there for an hour. A lot of people end up overtraining very fast that way, especially if you're someone that's new to it. Zone four and five should be treated with some level of respect because it is a very intense level of heart rate. Um, and it's obviously just in, in the understanding of how high the percentage is. Like it's not something you can even sustain anyways, right? But where the aerobic work is, is where you get a lot of bang for your buck, right? So the funny thing about aerobic work, and especially like just in the conversation of zone two, you'll be surprised how little work you need to actually be in zone two in the beginning. Um, and this is for some of us might feel embarrassing and that's okay. Cause I personally, even when I'm not doing a lot of cardio or aerobic work in my thing, when I get back into it, it's like, I'm like, Holy shit. Like I'm like barely doing anything right now or how I feel so slow. Like I could run faster. Um, uh, but I'm not in the zone that I would ideally want. Right. And for most of us, we're looking for like this fat burning zone that everyone likes to kind of sell. Like when you think about fat burning, lipolysis is your body can only burn fat when there's a presence of oxygen, right? When your body gets to these higher zones and higher percentages of heart rate, you know, getting into the threes and four and five, obviously, your body then becomes more glycolytic, meaning it's going to start to burn more carbs for an energy source, right? And there's only a finite storage of carbs that your body has. Um, when we look at lower level stuff like aerobic training, your body is going to burn more fat in that process. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's burning more calories or it's way more effective to zone two. Like that's also something that has a lot of context. It's just the percentage of calories that are being burned are coming from fat versus coming from carbs and glycogen, right? Um, you know, when I was doing my training for like competitions for men's physique shows, like my coach would have me do 20, 30 minutes every morning fasted first thing in the morning. Like I would go on a treadmill, put the thing on 15% incline and I would walk. I wasn't even running. I would walk. Um, and I would just get myself the, obviously the incline made it intense enough where I was kind of in these zones that I wanted to be. Um, but I think a lot of people have the misconception that you need to be doing really, really intense things to reap the benefits of it. And that is the farthest thing from the truth. 
Um, if you're going to do more steady state stuff, you want to kind of get into some running without taking intervals or taking breaks, whatever. Um, really pay attention to your heart rate and the zone that you're training in because we want to be able to stay in a zone that's really going to give us, give us a lot of the benefits that we want from the running, right? Um, and intensity, as much as I like to preach intensity with training, um, you need to be thinking about intensity in the macro and not in the micro all the time, right? Like, yes, there is days, like when you go do an interval day or you go do a track day or you go do a heavy one rep day or a three rep day in the gym, like just like any other training modality, there's days where you need to churn up and you need to provide a lot of intensity. But you don't do that every day. Like, I don't go to the gym and try to do a three rep max every day. Like, it's something maybe you're only testing at the end of the cycle or it's something maybe you're only doing one day out of the week. And the other days might be in the, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80% range of whatever your max would be. Um, and that's the same way strength training is. Like, there's so many parallels when you think about this. So when you look at zone training, if you're using tech, obviously giving you an idea of, like, paying attention to when you get home, like, how much time did I spend in zone one, two, three, or four, or five? Um, and you'll start to really become a little bit more intuitive as you use this technology. I'll give you one of my player tips here. When you look at running for someone that doesn't, I don't like to use a lot of tech anymore. I used a lot of it throughout my career. Excuse me. Um, I used a lot of it throughout my career, and I used a lot of it in the beginning of 2020 in the pandemic, like Aura Ring, and I was using Whoop, and you know I was using the running tracker, and I was using Continuous Glucose Monitor, and I used all this tech. Um, I think objective data is great if you're someone that's taking it really, really serious or wants to be serious with it. Um, but for me personally, I just wanted to be a little bit more intuitive. So I use the technology to be able to bridge that gap. And uh, every once in a while, I use the tech for, you know, a couple weeks or a couple of months just to kind of get me back in gear because things change throughout your life. Um, but the easiest tip I can give you is if you can breathe through your nose, you're probably in zone one and two. If you can't breathe through your nose anymore, you're getting into three and then you're obviously in four or five. Um, so... There could be some things there, obviously, on, you know, deviated septums or people that can't breathe through the nose, period. <laughs> but I'm talking for most people that have a proper nose that could breathe correctly. Like, if you're going on a run and you're breathing through your nose all the time, you're probably in that zone. Uh, when I do my song shuffle run, it's obviously I do all my walking from nasal breathing only. And this is maybe something I'll do a separate podcast on and why the benefits of nasal breathing over mouth breathing. Um, but it's also just a really good, like, parameter for you to, like, really gauge where you're at intensity wise right and when you get into the running part you'll or running part of it you'll start to see that as you're running and as the intensity starts to build you're like wow it's like getting really really hard to breathe through my nose the next thing you know you're kind of breathing through your mouth so it's, that's kind of a good gauge to use subjectively too for those um okay what else do i got here strength training to support so this is one thing that like i also had in the email was like should I be doing strength training to benefit my running or should I be doing running to, running to benefit my strength training and vice versa? Um, once again, a lot of nuance. I do believe that these things are both bidirectional, meaning that strength training will support runners. Um, and a lot of runners that only run actually need to be doing strength training for strength and stability of joints and muscles and all the support system that you need for posture of running. Um, but then also for all those strength athletes that only like to do strength stuff and skip cardio and don't do any aerobic or conditioning work, like that's going to make you better at strength training because you're going to have more output. You're going to be able to do more in the gym, um, because that aerobic fitness does carry over to strength, right? Um, in some, obviously, depending on what your goal is or what level of intensity, either the strength or the cardio part is, that's going to be kind of the line that you need to draw on the sand of like how much of this is actually going to be beneficial versus like a point of diminishing returns, right? So when you think about running, number one is understand that it is a single leg exercise. If you are running, you are never on two feet. 
right? If you're walking, there's obviously you've got point of contact where both feet are on the floor. When you're running, there's not. Um, sprinting a single leg, jogging, unless you're doing really, really, really slow jogging. Um, obviously, once again, there could be some things there that are two feet. But for the most part, you are a single leg exercise, which means that you need to have single leg strength. You need to have single leg stability. You need to have a l enough range of motion through your ankles, through your knees, and through your hips. Your ankles need to be able to dorsiflex so the knee can travel forward when you land on impact. Your hips need to be able to extend so you can get the leg behind the body through your stride. Um, and you need to have enough, like, you know, shoulder mobility and T-spine mobility to be able to stay upright and have good posture with your upper body. So there is some foundational, like, fundamentals that you need to have for both strength training and running for sure. But for the sake of today's conversation, when you look at running, like, ankles and hips and obviously some, some level of upper body are required for mobility. But when you think about the strength aspect of it, does having a 500-pound squat make you a better runner? probably not like I don't I don't want to say it's definitely a no but I don't think it's really necessarily going to make you a better runner by always becoming stronger I think you need to support the system that you're using for that modality right so if I'm using something like gait or running as an example like doing a lot of single leg work is going to be ideal doing a lot of balance work is going to be ideal having a very strong foot and arch and toe big toe mobility is going to be ideal so the more stuff that you can do to kind of support that position the better um, when you look at the trunk rotation and core overall, the ability to kind of stabilize your pelvis and your spine through every single stride that you take, um, having some of that work built into, you know, anti-rotation, anti-lateral flexion extension, but also training those things for flexion, extension, lateral, and rotation as well is going to benefit you. Um, so the more that we can do to support the body in the position that we're doing and the more kind of endurance we can build the muscles with our training the better off the running is going to be as well, right? So I think they are very, very parallel. They are bi-directional. And like I said earlier, just as the preface, it really just depends on the level of intensity that you want from one or the other. If you want a nice, fine balance, then I wouldn't stress out about really overtraining because if you're balanced them out, like it's kind of hard to do that, right? Um, and then just really make sure that when you look at kind of everything, it's the same way I treat training period without running. It's like it should just be really focused on posture and mobility and movement-based stuff because that's just going to make us better as humans, period, right? Um, but understanding that running is contralateral, meaning when the right arm moves, the left leg moves, vice versa. And it's also a unilateral movement, which basically means it is a single leg thing. It is, it's, it's like one leg, one side, one arm working at a time. So doing something like a back squat or a deadlift is bilateral maybe that's not going to be ideal for making you a better runner. Things like doing split squats or reverse lunges or walking lunges or single leg RDLs or Cossacks and things like that, I think those are going to be more aligned for what you would need as a runner. Um, and then just like anything else, having a strong back and having a strong core and having good breathing volume and having good endurance both aerobically with your running and good endurance with your training. Um, so being really ideal with what type of reps you're using. Maybe you're not doing only all strength and power work. Maybe you're doing more hypertrophy or maybe you're doing more endurance work and maybe you're doing more intervals like EMOMs, like same way we would treat the running. Um, and that kind of falls into the last one, which is basically can you run and lift? And I want to use Damien as an example for this because if anybody thinks that you cannot be a good runner and a good lifter, I think that is a load of shit because you can be whatever the fuck you want it to be as long as you don't have a limited belief behind it. Um and it just depends on how hard you want to push yourself. If you want to be good at both, there's a lot of sacrifice that's required to be good at that. Um, yes, there's some genetic capability for some people that are just naturally strong or naturally fast or naturally mobile or naturally good at both or whatever, naturally athletic. 
but that's focusing on the things that you can't control. So instead of us really demonizing the things that we can't control, let's focus on what are the things we can do. And if you do want to train more than the average person, then yeah, you can be better than the average person. If you want to be able to hit the track or running, you know, three, four times a week and train three or four times a week and have a couple double days in your week, you could do that. You just need now to remember that your nutrition is going to be a little bit different because you're burning a lot of calories. Your nourishment requirement is going to be a lot higher. Your hydration requirement is going to be a lot higher. Your sleep requirement, your recovery requirement. Like the, there's just more that goes into it. Um, and I hate the limiting belief that you can't be like you have to be one or the other. You can do both. If you wanted to be the best runner, if Damien said I wanted to run a, a four minute mile, then it's like, yeah, you probably you're probably gonna need to make running a bigger priority for you. But like at the end of the day, it's like you know those are still. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's a world record. I mean, I mean he would be able to tell you guys better than I would. But like, I mean, I don't know many people. I only know one personally, and like in real life, that actually would be able to do something like a 500 pound single leg split squat in a five minute mile. Like it's incredible. So I use him as an example because obviously it's just incredible to see the feat that's possible that the human body can do, but also just to really create a real life subject for you guys to really kind of think about that everything is possible. Um, it was like, a, I forget the runner's name when like they could break the four minute mile or was it four minute mile or five minute? It was a four minute mile and no one can do it. And then this one guy did it. And then all of a sudden, like seven or 10 people that year broke it. You know, so I think a lot of we have to understand that your mindset towards these things really dictates everything in life. So whatever you want to do, number one, just why I put it number one is the foundational thing for six dimensions of functional lifestyles. Your mindset dictates everything, right? All right, guys. Well, I hope that helps. It's probably a little bit longer than usual. I think we're probably around 25, 30 minutes already. But, you know, if you're getting into running, start with some interval stuff. Increase the cadence so you're really focusing on landing under your feet so you're midfoot. When you land, let that adductor catch you. Let that glute propel you. Um, staying nice and tall, focusing on breathing. As soon as you fatigue, start to walk, right? And then progressively overload everything that we do just with any other type of training modality. Um, and I think out of all the things that you can do to aid for just being outside, the health benefit of that alone, but then having some type of aerobic work, it's going to help your strength training. It's going to help with stress management. It's going to help with weight loss. It's going to help with everything that we always try to do with any of our goals anyways. So I think running out of all things aerobic, I think is the most functional thing a human can do. I will leave you on that. Running, I believe, is one of the most functional human patterns in motion that any human can do. Out of the seven that exist, when we think about gait and locomotion, then we have a squat, we have lunge, we have hinge, we have twist, we have push and we pull. Gait and locomotion will always be ideal because it's a thing as humans that we are born to do, right? So big supporter of it, big component of something that you should be adding to strength training and don't let the doubt sink in that you can't be good at both. You can if you're someone that's a runner that's listening to this and doesn't do strength training, you are missing out on the capability that your body can do um, and just really the longevity benefits of not injuring yourself by not having strength training. Um, and if you're someone that's a strength athlete that doesn't like doing cardio because it's going to lose all your gains, you're also a little bit of a lunatic because you will not lose gains by doing some aerobic work, right? And it's just everything is subjective because that depends on scale and volume. All right, guys. Well, have a great day, and I'll talk to you guys next week. See ya.